1: Do you remember where you were the first time you heard your song on the radio? I remember where
0: I was. The first big song was a, a Reba song called To Love Comes Again in 1989. It was a big single. And I can remember in Nashville, I was coming up I-65 south. I was going north to Nashville, and it was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and it came on the radio, and I was by myself. And I rolled down my window, and I yelled at the car next to me. And they sped off. Because I was like, it's my song on the radio. And they had no idea who I was. But that thrill never goes away at any age. You know, when you're not the artist, I don't have the luxury of writing a song and putting it on my own record. I have to write a song that somebody else is going to do, which in a lot of ways is a lot more difficult because you don't know. First of all, they don't have the publishing and they don't have the writers on it and they don't know what they're looking for. They don't want to do your song. They want to be a writer on it. The record label has got something to do with it. So you got to get past all these things. If you're an outside writer, you got to have a better song. The good thing about that is, I want a better song. You know, I want a song that's going to last in history. I want one that's going to be good in 10 years from now and 20 years from now, you know, and that's the goal. It's a longevity thing.
1: Ed, have you ever been in a karaoke bar where they played one of your songs? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Have you ever sung one of your songs in a karaoke bar? No, because I never go in a karaoke
0: bar, but I've been a few times a long time ago, but I've had people send them to me like when I see a video of them in bars and in and just in bands in general. I mean, because a lot of times a girl will get up and she'll sing like It Matters to Me by Faith Hill, or she'll sing Be My Baby Tonight, John Michael Montgomery, a guy I'll sing it. It's been done a lot, you know. It's a real flattering, you know. The thing is about what I do or, or have done for, for so long is I'd rather get one big song than a bunch of little ones. I'll take any of them, but like, say, on Faith Hill back then on Matters to Me, that was a huge song, and I'd rather have that song on that album than the other nine all put together because that's the one that's going to be remembered. You don't remember the other nine. I mean, you might remember one or two of them that were singles. I'm not saying the other writers weren't great writers. But I was fortunate enough to have that one surface. And the thing is, this song doesn't have any bridge. It's just a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, get out. And it's like, that's what great songs are. They're simple. There's not a lot of words. If you go look back in time, I'm into history when it comes to music. And I think young people should be into history of music. Listen to the songs from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. What do you like about some of them? They're not all great, but like you can pull from that. How bad do you want it? You know, this isn't work for me. I'm looking for ideas all the time. And, you know, my dad, when he got older, he would try to give me song ideas. He thought it was pretty cool. It's just a brain exercise. It's just an exercise. And at my age, I'm like, well, maybe I won't get Alzheimer's quite as quick if I just keep trying to think of songs. It's kind of a math project. The art of making something sound really simple.
1: So To Love Comes Again gets recorded by Reba McIntyre. And you wrote this with Bob Regan. And it's released in 89. One of your real long-term relationships, Karen Conrad, this is kind of like the birth of... Save big
2: money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install. Durable against the elements and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on menards.com.
3: Save big money at menards.
1: A real strong business partnership between you and Karen Conrad.
0: Yeah, absolutely. She's still a great friend of mine. I I don't talk to her very often, but I love her. I was really fortunate to come across her. And I came across her through uh, another writer that wrote for Karen Staley. She's had a lot of hits herself. She's a great songwriter. I was doing little demos when I first got to Nashville that I wrote by myself. I'd be writing at night. I'd work in the daytime, painting houses or whatever I had to do. Where can I go to? put these songs down to get, you know, to get a guitar and drones and stuff, you know? And I finally came across this guy named Jackie Cook, who I could do a demo for. I mean, this is back in the 80s, you know? And so 200 bucks coming out of my own pocket for my song I wrote by myself. So I got a lot better, a lot quicker over a year. Uh, I did 12 of them. I did one a month at Jackie's studio. And after a year, I took the eight, what I thought were the eight, best ones and I asked a girl who, Karen Staley who sang a few of them for me because I, I had a few girl songs. I asked her, Who can I show these songs to? Because I don't know how this town works. All I see on every publishing window is it says no unsolicited material. I go, you know, what what's a guy do? <laughs> how do they find material? <laughs> they have to solicit it always? <laughs> My publisher is a good publisher. He's an independent publisher, but and that was Karen Conrad. So I went about 10 o'clock, on the whatever morning it was, I walked in, and Karen Conrad was at the front desk checking her mail, and I give her my CD, or not a CD, it was a cassette. She goes, well, come on to the office, and I'll listen to them, listen to them with you. And I was really thin-skinned because I hadn't been used to doing this, and it was like, oh, well, uh, I got to go do something. I made up some reason why I had to go because I just didn't want to sit in the room and have somebody partake my songs. So... Where I was staying, I went there, which is at a fiddle player's house. As soon as I got through the house, she called me, and she wanted four of those eight songs that I gave her. Wow. I went back, or and we ever, so what we did, we did single song agreements. I didn't get any publishing. I got all my writers, no publishing, four single song agreements, and she went back and paid for the demo costs. So she paid my $200, I paid a piece for those. And then we were off and running. I just had to show her the songs before I demoed them and she would pay for them. So we did that. And the 20th song that I got in her catalog was Till Love Comes Again, Reba McIntyre.
1: It goes to number four on the charts. So like your very first song breaks the top 10, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, and then uh, she got,
0: and and it was with Bob Regan and she had all the Bob's publishing too. And so she had a hundred percent of the publishing, but as that song, you know, made its course up and down the charts as time went by. I remember the first time I got any money at all for writing a song was from her. I got a check for $50,000 and I'd never gotten any money writing the song. And I called my dad <laughs> and he goes, well, maybe you ought to keep doing that. <laughs> so I had confirmation <laughs> from him. You know, I've lost my parents in the, in the 90s. They both got to see me get number one records, which was very rewarding for me.
1: So this song has like a fiddle intro and a I would maybe call it a barroom style piano, which when I hear that in your songs and I'm listening to the Ed Hill songbook on backstory song, I hear that sort of barroom piano style. Did you Contribute that to the song. Is that like one of your signature things? Sometimes, you know, when you spend a
0: lot of time in honky tonks, like I did in Bakersfield or whatever, you get a real feel for what people like and record label people should have hired me to be a consultant, you know, cause they make choices of, well, what's going to work on the radio. There's so much payola and crooked crap going on. The bottom line is, if you have a song that people really love, it'll break through if they can just hear it. You just need to hear it. I could see that night after night. You know, they come in and i play those places, man, and I'm in a band. You know, you're, I'm watching them like they're watching me, and it's, you know what they want. They let you know. So I had that ingrained in me. But I would see other piano players and honky-tonk piano players and, and whatever. I mean, and I had played bass, in rock and roll bands before i played keyboards and our keyboard player his mother made him quit when i was in a high school band so i had to play the organ with just on the next gig i didn't even get a chance to to practice or anything so but back to jim williams in bakersfield he showed me really how to be a bass player because the left hand of the piano goes with the bass player which goes with the kick drum of the drummer that all works together and so he would know how to color music where you would dot the one before you go to the four chord you dot the one before you I say dot it you hit the you hit the, the root before you go to the to your next chord. And a lot of people don't know that. And he would teach me things like that. It just became part of my songwriting thing of how do you move people. Like you can move people's emotions by getting from one chord to the next with the passing. It's not like you know rogue country where everything is one, five, six, minor, four. I mean, it's like Gentle on My Mind, John Hartford doing, you know, where they're beautiful chords, you know, and this guy, Jim Williams, he loved rhythm and blues and he loved pop songs. And, you know, like I love all music. It's either good or it's not good. It's either really good or it's okay. You know, I don't care what genre it's in. I go by my heart. I'm not like a record label. The record label, they do market analysis. My market analysis is what does it do to my heart? And that's what everybody in the world out there, that's what they're going by. So they're missing the boat a lot. You know, publishers, they want to set you up with somebody so they can get a favor done for themselves. They want you to write with somebody in another company where they can get these favors. They don't know who's good and who isn't good because they're not in the room when the songs are being written. They don't know who's really, really gifted. Some things you can't teach, some things you can't. You know, just because you come out of Belmont doesn't mean you can write a song. That just means that you went to a math class and you know that a bridge isn't the same as a chorus, you know, a verse. You know what I mean? So the people that are really, that do this sometimes just do it without money.
1: So one of the characters in your life who co-wrote your first number one hit, Be My Baby Tonight, was Richard Richard Actually, Fale. actually, and-
0: uh, Running Behind was the first number one. It just all depends on which chart you're on. When you look at certain charts, they're not number one. But but I've gotten awards for songs that are number one that weren't on certain charts, you know. saving big money on your outdoor
2: project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape